Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Peter. It is that week the Packers open the season. We are ready for actual, real-life NFL football. The Packers play host to the Seahawks on Sunday, 325 Central Time. That is local time. It is a Fox National game. Arguably, the two best teams in the NFC will face off on national TV to open the season. There is not a better way to kick off 2017, a season that has a ton of expectation, that has a ton of anticipation. A lot was was done in the offseason by Ted Thompson, Ahmad Brooks, Martellus Bennett, Lance Kendricks, Jari Evans. It was an unorthodox season for Ted Thompson, which means this season there might be a little added pressure. He might be feeling internal pressure to make this team better. And so now those players have pressure on them to perform. And the Packers as a whole have pressure as a team to perform. And they should do that. What we've learned since we last talked last week is we know who those players are going to be. We know the guys that Mike McCarthy and this coaching staff is going to take into battle every Sunday. Well, and occasionally Thursdays and Mondays. The final 53 was announced over the weekend. And there were some surprises. If we're being honest, the Packers initially kept 10 offensive linemen, 10, including a pair of players that certainly did not play their way onto the roster in Lucas Patrick and Justin McCray. Those guys are on the team because the Packers like their potential with Lucas Patrick in particular and because Don Barclay ended up on injured reserve after the Packers officially announced the Ahmad Brooks signing. They put Don Barclay on the injured reserve. So there are actually nine offensive linemen currently on the 53-man roster. Of the most intrigue, potentially, the Packers only kept five receivers. Now, that's only technically true because Geronimo Allison is suspended for week one, so they don't have to make a decision on that. We assume when he is ready and able to play week two, he will be on the team. And that could be another reason why someone like McCray or Patrick is on the squad because the Packers know Brian Bulaga is not in perfect health. Barclay is already out for an extended period of time and potentially the entire season. And so if you're going to have a buffer of an extra extra player for week one, it might as well be at a position that is potentially a, a weak spot for you on the roster in terms of health. I expect 
Justin McRae in particular to be the guy who loses his spot when Geronimo Allison comes back in week two. In terms of the rest of the roster moves, not a lot was particularly interesting, honestly. They cut Michael Clark, but he comes back on the practice squad. He was the former basketball player, 6'6", can run and and looked good in practice, though was mostly absent in preseason games outside of a touchdown. D'Angelo Yancey was a fifth-round pick. He cleared waivers. He's back on the practice squad. No harm, no foul. Now, the Packers did lose two players to waivers. Not necessarily the, pa- the, the players that you might think either. Taysom Hill... The rookie QB, we talked about it last week. The Packers, it was possible that they were going to have to keep him on the 53 to make sure that he was on their team. And he just isn't a good enough talent. He's not a good enough player when you have Brett Hundley to have to do that. But that was borne out. The Saints claimed Taysom Hill over the weekend. He is a New Orleans Saint. Also, Brian Price was claimed off waiver, so the Packers lose his. At the same time, they trade J. Ron Elliott, another outside linebacker, to the Cowboys for a late-round pick. This was basically two teams saying these players are, are not super meaningful on our roster, but the Cowboys giving up a pick when Elliott could just be cut certainly suggests that they were interested in Elliott in, in more ways than just we need a body. You can get a body. Now, I've been clear that I don't think J. Ron Elliott is, is anything particularly special as an outside linebacker, as a pass rusher. He's a solid for, uh, he's a solid special teams player. But beyond that, I, I don't know how much he helps you win football games. So get a pick. We know what Ted Thompson can do with picks, right? One other roster move that I think is particularly interesting is Chris Odom the Packers put in a claim for Chris Odom from the Atlanta Falcons, who was playing defensive end. He's going to play outside linebacker for the Packers. But could play elephant, could play with his hand down some. He's a bigger player than Elliott. He was an undrafted free agent out of Arkansas State. But then he led defensive linemen in, in the preseason with tackles, had two sacks and four tackles for loss. In the fourth preseason game against the Jaguars, he had eight tackles. This is someone from a non-Power 5 conference, not a not a high pedigree player. He was considered, at best, a, a priority undrafted free agent. And then he did play well enough. Now he says, he said the Packers showed interest in him through the draft process. This was obviously someone the Packers scouted and and were interested in, liked his talent. So now he comes in. To me, this is an upgrade because Odom has more upside than Elliott. He's younger more opportunity for him to grow into a useful NFL player. Joe Callahan also on the practice squad. So they do have a third quarterback in the organization. God willing, he never has to see the field because something has gone horribly wrong if he does. Now I'm looking at this roster right now, the final 53 on acmepackingcompany.com, the SB Nation Packers blog that I write for and that's some really talented people write for. You can go there and get a wealth of Packers knowledge. There's a breakdown of, of what's going on here. There's updates. Guys will continue to sign with other teams, no doubt. They'll sign with practice squads. You'll be able to see players the Packers cut and, and what's happening here. 
But that's me promoting myself and my work. If you'd like to promote your work, if you'd like to advertise to men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Lockdown Packers is listened to by over 90% men and 80% of them are between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want to reach men 18 to 44, this is your spot and our rates are reasonable. Email me at Peter underscore Bukowski at yahoo.com to find out more. There's one thing that we should talk about before we before we move forward, and that is Dayton Jones was placed on the Minnesota Vikings injured reserve over the weekend, and it likely likely sets the table for him becoming a free agent. This would be a no-brainer for the Packers. Jason Hershorn and I talked about this last week. Jones knows the system, knows the scheme. The Packers know what he can and can't do. And and Dayton Jones played well enough last year to be a rotational edge player in the NFL. Well enough to be signed by a team that has talent on the edge and thought enough to give him a contract. The Packers, even with the signing of Ahmad Brooks, could use help at outside linebacker. It's why they signed Joe Odom. And they have the cushion on the roster to do it. It wouldn't be crazy to say the Packers could or should sign Dayton Jones should he become a free agent and let someone like Kyler Fackrell walk. So that's something to keep an eye on over the next few days. We don't we don't know yet how this is all gonna shake out. We don't by the time you listen to this, there could have been some kind of movement on it. But it's certainly something to keep an eye on. And I there is one player that I want to highlight in particular. That made this roster that I think is just a great story. And I wrote about him after the the first preseason game. And that's Lindsey Pipkins. Because he made the 53-man roster. Packers kept seven corners after Ladarius Gunter essentially locked up a spot on the squad with a sack and an interception in the final preseason game against the Rams. Which we, we won't go into in detail because... The only reason it matters is to secure spots on the roster. And we know who's on the roster now. So if we'd have had a podcast on Friday, we could have talked about it. It doesn't matter anymore because there's no jobs to be won or lost. These are the jobs. So the only questions now moving forward are for week one. Because this is the team. This is the team the Packers are going to face the Seattle Seahawks with. Two of the best teams in the NFC. They need Brian Belaga to be healthy. And if he's not, it could be a problem because Seattle has tremendous talent on the edge. Kyle Murphy is not, gonna, is not going to hold up. And that's why you have some depth, but they don't have depth at tackle that they feel great about. Jason Spriggs, no one should feel great about Jason Spriggs right now. No one should feel great about Kyler Murphy starting against Michael Bennett or Cliff Averill or Frank Clark. That's not going to go well for Green Bay. Luckily, they have a quarterback who is a magician, who is a wizard, and who has played behind offensive lines before that are less than stellar. He has escapability like few quarterbacks do, and no one is better at keeping a defense off balance with the way that he uses cadences and counts. It was so fun to watch him catch a team in the preseason with 12 men on the field. That shouldn't even be legal because teams are still figuring it out. There's, it's, it's a fake game. It's a glorified practice. 
and teams are still figuring it out. There's always miscommunications and rookies and guys, am I in this package? Am I in that package? And Rodgers doesn't care. If you don't, if you don't get your butt off the field, he's going to catch you with 12 men and he's going to get a free play and he's going to take a shot. And so there are ways that the Packers can mitigate an issue like that. But the solution as it stands right now, a good one is not on the roster. And then the Packers are going to have a decision to make. Vince Beagle and Dimitri Goodson are on the PUP. They can't come back for six weeks. But when they do come back, who loses their spot? I think Devontae Mays is a good candidate. At running back, There's the Packers don't really need five running backs. One is a fullback, so that's a little different. But they also don't need Ty Montgomery, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Mays. So... Expect to see some rotation behind Ty Montgomery. And if one of those players does not show out in some kind of way, he could be the guy that loses his spot to Vince Beagle. And Lindsey Pipkins, the story that I told earlier, he is also, unfortunately, yes, he's a great story, Is on, he's unfortunately one of the guys who's also in danger of, of being the guy who loses his spot to a PUP reinstatement. Because the Packers need Vince Beagle on the field. They don't need Dimitri Goodson right now as it stands. With the current health on the at corner, they don't need Dimitri Goodson. So they could act they could they could just choose not to activate him. He could just not play this season. And just given how the NFL goes, there is a chance that Kevin King and Ladarius Gunter and Lindsey Pipkins have to play some kind of snaps at some point. And the Packers will be able to use that as a measuring stick. I want to share one more programming note. There will be only three podcasts this week. There will be only three podcasts next week. And I apologize in advance if there is breaking news between now and then. uh, This podcast will not cover it. So I suggest you go to the Acme Packing Company website. You follow along there. I suggest you go to FanRag Sports and follow along there. I will be on my honeymoon. I will probably be on an airplane when you listen to this. But I have great Packers content for you coming this week and next week. Jason Hershorn is going to fill in for me on Monday to discuss Packers-Seahawks. It was imperative that I got you some sort of live breakdown on what happened in week one. You cannot have a daily show that does not include a breakdown of a game that just happened. Especially a game of the magnitude of Packers-Seahawks. So that was of the utmost importance. We will still have two Expert Tuesdays. Danny Kelly on Wednesday from The Ringer, who is an expert on all things Seahawks and just a great football uh, writer. Those shows are going to be a little bit longer because I wanted to give you a little extra content in exchange for not being 100% up to date on everything that's happening. For the most part, it's not going to matter. Because, the, like I said, the roster is the roster. And the Packers are unlikely to make a earth-shattering roster move between now and the game that is played week one. And if it is, it's something that Jason can talk about on Monday. Michelle will be on on Tuesday for more Packers talk, a deep dive on the Packers, and then Charles McDonald's, who you know on Twitter as at 4 We get deep into the Seahawks for week two. Or excuse me, we get deep into the, we get deep into the Atlanta Falcons for week two. And then I will be back Monday, the following Monday, to kick off week three, to talk Falcons-Packers, and to push this forward. And then we're going to do this four times a week. Every week. And that's what we're doing. So please remember 
to catch my work, acmepackingcompany.com, Fanrag NFL. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. And always, always, always stay locked on Packers. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.